dinosaurs. <laughs> Let's just jump in. All right, and welcome to the Too Much Free Time podcast. I'm your host, Mark Burris. With me, as always, are Peter Blankenship and John Girdler. Here, here. I'm here as well. <laughs> nice. Uh, we are officially kicking off season three. Three. We have ended our look at Star Studded Duds. And uh, Which was more of a look at Gary Marshall. Yeah, it was more of a, we looked at some duds, then we analyzed Gary Marshall's trilogy. <laughs> In retrospect. In retrospect. But we're, I, I actually think this is a, a great way to start out season three, because we did so many bad movies in mm-hmm. Star-Studded Duds. We actually did, this is refreshing to do a movie that I actually really enjoy. And Speak that, for yourself. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm I, was like, <laughs> I was like, ooh, hot take. <laughs> Wait, can we take a moment to thank our fans for getting us to season three? <laughs> yeah, all you out there who bought shirts, who marched. <laughs> the network obviously likes us because I of know. you guys. Yeah, they keep letting us do this. They keep. <laughs> we keep getting the money from somewhere. Um, but if you haven't... Oh, I guess I haven't said the title of the movie. My nope. bad. This week we're talking about Munich. The what? 2005... I would say hit. I mean, I don't know financially if it was a hit, but it was talked about and was nominated for Best Picture. So, um, you know, it stirred some emotions in people. A Steven Spielberg movie. And John Williams. What a combo. I didn't know it was John Williams till halfway through the movie. There's one part where, like, the score kicked up, and I was like, all right, that has to be John Williams. (laughs) Too many horns. I know. I, like, Googled it. I was like, ah, there he is. (laughs) Is that you, John? Is that you, John? Bamboozle. Oh, man, I love John Williams. But yeah, so this was the second time I had seen this movie. Because the first time I watched it, I want to say I saw it in theaters with my family. Wow. Hey, we're we're all about, you know, <laughs> Jewish people killing terrorists, okay? You could, you were like 12. Yeah. We, we also as a family saw Inglorious Bastards, which is like okay, this yeah. movie, but <laughs> ramped up to 11. <laughs> Inglorious bad words. Inglorious <laughs> bad words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Peter, you you had seen this before. Yeah. yeah that's my pick. I, I Well, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is that a rule that show? your pick has to be a movie you've seen? No, because you've broken it. I've it broken it almost every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a movie you pick that we've already seen. <laughs> no. I, I think all mine have been movies I've seen. Yeah, I picked this, you know, because it's the Olympics right now. And so this oh, is kind man. of about the Olympics. Like, I'm, you guys can't see it. Listening, but you're wearing, but I'm an, Olympics. wearing an original 1984 Olympic shirt. Which I'm pretty sure is the one we boycotted. So that might be a collector's item. Well, here we are. I'm wearing it. <laughs> it's in mint condition. Mint condition. Yeah. It's only got a couple holes. The there <laughs> aren't that many Olympics movies. I, I just had to pick one that was kind of thematic. I I feel stupid about this, but like obviously I knew this movie was about an Olympic massacre, but I didn't make that connection until I really hit play where I was like, oh yeah, the Olympics are on right now too. Like if I just stopped the movie and changed the channel, it would have just been on the Olympics. So uh, nice timing there, Peter. Thanks. We're known for being topical on this podcast. Very topical. <laughs> Unless you're watch- listening to this like really, really far in the future. Like an ointment. And if you like are an a- ointment. Topical. Oh, to the topical. <laughs> I thought you were saying that in reference to what I said. I was like, that makes zero sense. (laughs) Oh, man. John, uh, this was your first time seeing it, correct? It was. That's correct. Besides the length of the movie, which is shocking because I had completely forgotten how long this movie is. I mean, they had 11 people to kill and didn't even get all of those. They only got to six. Yeah. But uh, spoiler alert. It's going to take some time. (laughs) 
Um, what did you? What was your kind of initial take, though? I really liked it, um, even though it was kind of long. But and I like most movies. There are some scenes I felt like they didn't necessarily need, especially towards the end. Um, but I mean, it was a great revenge movie. You have this this like hero that you're rooting for. They really, or at least I really liked um, the main character, oh, Eric Ab- Abner. Yeah, yeah, Abner. the Hulk. Um, <laughs> Wow, he was only the Hulk for that one movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like it, I mean, I'm kind of jumping in the plot a little bit, but it makes you root for him from the beginning because you see as a family, the kid on the way or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so the whole time, he just seems like a good guy, but also a good leader. Maybe someone who hasn't been in a leadership role yeah. but then is thrust into it. Speaking of his wife, though, did, Peter, did you make? Did you realize that was Vivian from Daredevil? No. That's Vivian from Daredevil. Now that you're saying it, it just <laughs> blows your mind. <laughs> I when she first came on screen, it bothered me. I like I recognized her, but I couldn't think of like place where. Wow. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, go ahead and jump into the plot real quick. Um, I also I wrote this down just because as the credits were opening, I was super surprised it was a DreamWorks movie, and not that the company would make it, but they kept the same kind of innocent logo of, like, the kid on the moon fishing, and then it literally cuts to terrorists killing people. Like, that that was kind of abrupt. <laughs> Something you would expect from, like, Twisted Pictures. Yeah, or Lionsgate. Classic yeah. Lionsgate move there. But, uh, yeah, we're opening up on the 1972 Olympics that were held in, spoiler alert, Munich. What? Title drop. <laughs> Aptly named. Did they know they were going to make a movie about it? There's already been a movie about it. No, I know. What, what's the other movie called? Sword of the Gideon? Gideon, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I also laugh. So it shows, you know, the Olympic, I guess, headquarters where they're, or not the headquarters, where they're staying. And uh, classic Americans were out drinking all night, come back, and the gates are locked, so they have to hop the fence with these people that they just assume are also athletes. God, classic Americans. We're the worst. But they help them up over the fence, which I thought I had never heard that part of the story when like this is told historically. That's kind of a big deal <laughs> that that's how they got in. Yeah, I was going to ask that. So that part was historically accurate. I mean, I, I think so, as far as I can understand. There's a lot of... Uh Liberties. Smoke and mirrors and ish too, like through how all this actually happened. Well, yeah, um, but yeah, we we don't get the full hostage situation, which I thought was interesting. Um, we only get bits and pieces of it through the room. We get the start of it of them breaking to the room and how it initially uh, took place of them taking or capturing these Israeli Olympic athletes. But then it kind of fast forwards really quickly mm-hmm. and we just see how it ended and from a distance where it's just explosions and then we kind of get, you know, news clippings of the misinformation that was happening where it's like, oh, the terrorists are dead, but the hostages are safe. And then it's flipped. And it's like, oh, no, all the hostages are dead and only three of the terrorists are still alive. And it's like crazy. I wrote down because I know we love to talk about how lazy it is to use the news for exposition. <laughs> I give this a pass because they used the legitimate historical like footage. news. Yeah, yeah. the actual footage. footage yeah. When what they did in Argo. Yeah, yeah. Where it, it works because it sets up the tone of how the world was experiencing this. Mm-hmm. So it does get a pass, even though I did laugh when it was just a bunch of news stations. I was like, oh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> news exposition. I also wanted to point out when they're going over the siege, I thought it was interesting. Be, like Since we're talking about the news thing, that the news was covering all of it, 
they had a TV in the hotel room that they were holding all the hostages in so they could see the raids like setting up. So of course they like called in to like call them back. We're going to kill everybody. I thought that was interesting. And I looked into it further to see if that like, cause that seemed like a big deal that the news ruined a rescue attempt. That actually became a point in 1980 when there was the Iranian embassy, like hostage situation. Uh, where British, it was in London, and British special forces came in and saved the hostages or whatever. They went into the building next door to this, where the hostages were being held in Iran or in London, under the cover of night as normal like construction workers, because of this, because the news outlets had were covering everything, so they wouldn't get caught. I thought that was kind of interesting. Huh. It's like a so it's a learning the, experience. Yeah, set precedent. Yeah. Uh, but let's fast forward a little bit. Obviously, sadly, the hostages are killed. And, you know, there are eleven of them. Is that how many? Yeah. There? Oh, it was a le- Ooh, how many hostages were? I know it was eleven terrorists. I forgot how many hostages there were. And eleven AK-47s that we yeah. have to see loaded. Yeah, that. I. It's one of those things that we don't think about now because we're in the post nine eleven world of how easy it was for everyone in this movie to just carry around guns and like sneak in assault rifles into random places. It was pretty lack security back in those Olympic days. And did y'all notice when they showed the Olympic athletes that had died, they looked super old. They did not look like athletes to me. Like I thought about that too. I think some of them are coaches. Because I oh, imagine okay. the coaches and the athletes were rooming together. Yeah, the guy so. that opened the door had to be a coach. Oh, yeah, he had to be. That or they were doing events that age doesn't really matter, which is, you know. I feel kind of dumb now. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> but they, okay. I was going to say, you. that guy does not look <laughs> athletic. Not to be judgmental, but. John's just like looking past the horrible thing. He's like, oh, no, he's just too old. This casting director, like, get your act together, okay? Um, Spielberg's rolling. <laughs> Spielberg was actually one of the <laughs> <laughs> the people <laughs> he wanted to put himself in the movie. Um, but from there, we're introduced to Eric Bana, who, like John, you were talking about, we're introduced as you know a family man. He's a Mossad agent, but it's very obvious, or they don't say specifically what he does, but they make it kind of clear he's not a field agent. He's very much just like a desk guy and uh, just the everyman which is why they pick him for this mission they're putting together to assassinate the 11 terrorists that got away, which uh, is pretty crazy. Or, yeah, the 11 people behind planning it. Oh, yeah, behind planning it. It wasn't the terrorists that got away because only three terrorists got away, Mm -hmm. but it was 11 people that helped set up because it's the terrorist group is, what is it? Black Black September. Black September. Mm -hmm. And uh, were the terrorists on the list as well, or were these only people that helped plan it? Well, well see, that's part of the movie. Well, that becomes a, po- a plot. Yeah, a plot point. point later is that three of the three terrorists that escape make it to Libya mm-hmm. to kind of jump around a little bit. They make it to Libya, and the team finds out about it, and they want to go to Libya, but they're told to stay out of the Arab nations. And I I remember that, but I guess my question is, were they on the original hit list? I guess I don't think because yeah, this is the scene we get. <laughs> introduced to all this is a boardroom with it's all the heads of all the different agencies israeli agencies as well as israeli army and navy and all that and uh the prime minister is kind of talking about the morals of the situation of whether or not they should do this but where it it they make it sound like these are just the top guys 
these are the guys that are orchestrating everything, kind of right. the head of the snake Pulling situation. The yeah. Um, which ends up becoming interesting because to jump towards the end, spoiler-ish, is the whole situation becomes that morale of everybody they kill in this movie just ends up getting replaced. Yeah, it's a hydra. Yeah, like one of the people they one of the people they kill more than halfway through the movie was the replacement for the first person they killed. <laughs> so like it really does bring up the question of like, why are we doing this? Um but from there, yeah, Eric Bana kinda gets the you know, the mission and he's told he's gonna get a, a team. Uh they're based in Germany though, right? Was that what I was to gather? Because that's why they used Eric Bana because he was born in Germany. Like well, his character he's was European, yeah. That's why they got him because he's like you're European. You you know your way around Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And then I guess it maybe I missed it, but when they're all the teams all introduced together, which I actually loved this scene because I think one thing that Spielberg does really well in this movie is makes it abundantly clear that this te- this five man team are not professional hitmen. They're not like you know Mossad trained assassins. They're, yeah, they're just no Peter everyday Quinn medicine woman. At all. Yeah, they're oh, no man. Peter Quinn medicine woman. They are literally just the average day guys. One but was like they, a doll maker. Yeah, and like it, a, I thought that was interesting because it was just guys who had skills that could be translated. Or they mm-hmm. in with Israel you have to be trained in the army at some point. So they all do have some experience, but them just sitting around a table, kind of introducing themselves while eating and kind of joking about the whole situation is so different than what a lot of these movies that are like spy thrillers, where it's just some, you know, basement where everyone's like checking to make sure no one can hear. And they're like being very, like I would say professional, but I would, I think it's more appropriate to say dramatic, when they're explaining the scenario as opposed to just natural conversation over dinner about how they're going to attack this. So I, that was just something that stood out to me that I really liked. There's a couple other scenes like that where it's just natural dialogue of reminding you these are just everyday people. Well, I liked it because they all knew um, Eric Bana was expecting. They're like, ah, oh, Mazel Tov. And Daniel Craig's like, yeah, that's all cool and everything, but... We are here to kill people, and how are like how are we gonna do that? Yeah, Eric Bana was the or not Eric Bana, sorry, uh, Daniel Craig was the only one that seemed like anxious to go out and just kill people, which was I thought was interesting because all I could think about was like when was Casino Royale was like two years after later, this, yeah. so I wonder if this movie kind of helped him get that role. <laughs> <laughs> well. It's like wait, you played an assassin before, um, yeah, I think it's interesting they don't do the staple spy thriller movie where each job is done in like this clear scene, like montage of like, Oh, he's good at bombs. And then like shows him making bombs kind <laughs> and of then thing. The bomb explodes. <laughs> 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 they just kind of like casually bring it up and they even don't really bring up um, like more specifically what like Carl's job is or what um, Hans. Yeah, Han. didn't he say he just he worries or something? Oh yeah, that's like his, his joke. Yeah. But I realized as it plays out, you kind of naturally see what their dynamic is. Is um, Carl is uh, the like cleanup guy? He's the one that's supposed to make sure that they didn't leave anything behind that could be like traced or things like that. And then Daniel Craig's character was the driver, like he was the you know getaway driver. I guess is the way to put it. 
Um, and then I forgot what the antique guy was. Oh, the antique guy was the forger. Yeah, he's he the could passport make, maker. Right. Candlesticks. And then the toy guy was the bomb maker. Yeah. I make bombs. I make booms. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just really liked... They did a good job with the team, too, of having a natural kind of chemistry. I felt like they all interacted with one another in a very realistic way. It reminded me a little bit of Ocean's Eleven, like the good good no, parts yeah. of Ocean Eleven. No, I would agree. Without like the over the top wittiness of everybody's a sly, you know, yeah, I was quick wit the, guy. I was watching this with my brother Luke, and he looked over at me and he's like, "I'm kind of getting Ocean's vibes," and I was like, "Yeah, wait, because the first act is definitely." Ocean's E, where we're like from one hit to the next, and well, that's a that's a great example though of what I'm talking about that this movie doesn't do that I appreciate, which is like in Ocean's Eleven, each character that's introduced, you know, you see their whole like quick story of like what they're good at, how they do it, kind of thing. I like this approach where it's just a casual get to, you know, you feel like you're at the table with them, like you're getting to know these characters, not as direct in your face, right. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it doesn't treat the audience like they're stupid. Yeah. It didn't come up with text on screen that was typed <laughs> out real quick. <laughs> with like a needle drop of just bomb like, maker. Yeah, bomb maker. <laughs> Freeze frame. <laughs> just playing some new hit song while they're building a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Uh once the team gathers together though, the first assassination we get is uh in Italy. Um I do not know this terrorist name off of the top of my head. Um, oh, it is Wally Wa- Wael Zwater. Yeah. Zwater. Close enough. But this also, this assassination thing also goes to what I was talking about, about how they're not professionals, because everything up to the point of them actually killing him, when because they, they follow him and wait until he's alone and they shoot him, and while that sounds very just straightforward, like they'd walk up and shoot him, how they play it out is up to the point they shoot him, it's very, you know, spy games. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, swapping turns following him. They're very sneaky. It's very professional. And then when it comes down to the moment they're going to kill the guy, both of them, it's the bomb maker and Eric Bana, are both like staring at him, like guns shaking, like trying to make sure it's the right guy. And then they just shoot him a bunch of times in panic and then run away. That's something I found and thought it was interesting in this movie was how um, they would always question, is this the right guy? And if you think about it, it's like no that internet, is, yeah. obviously, so they might not know what they look like. Yeah, and they just had the photos and stuff. Yeah, so that would be challenging. But I did laugh at this first kill because we were talking about the classic like brown bag of groceries. Yes. <laughs> like the, I noticed it too. <laughs> there out. was a baguette, there was milk, <laughs> yeah. and then there was random thing of lettuce. Like That is and just what wine. you get at a grocery store. All the store. staples. There's wine because it had to look like blood. Oh yeah, because then after they kill him and it falls to the ground, it cuts to that, like, a oh. river of wine. I love it. <laughs> I love it that when people go to grocery stores and movies, they get the most, like, impractical thing. <laughs> they always drop the bag. Yeah, they always drop the bag. That's why they have it. It's a prop to be dropped. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cushion. They know they're about to die. <laughs> <laughs> that should be just the giveaway. It's just, oh, my gosh, they have a bag. There's a baguette. Oh, they're going to die. <laughs> Um, I like how just messy that first kill is, though. And then after the first kill, we get there first. And there's a lot of these scenes, but the first time they're all together and it's the whole debate of whether or not they should be happy about what they did. They kind of have this whole... Whether they're rejoicing or celebrating. Right, rejoicing or celebrating or even just the morality of the mission as a whole. And uh, I liked Daniel Craig's 
you know, this should have been the tagline of the movie. It should have just said Munich and then say, don't fuck with the Jews. And then he's just like walking away being, I'm rejoicing. <laughs> dance with me. <laughs> yeah, dance with me. Uh, and then he makes that little witty remark about, oh, yeah, because it something that this movie does really well, but I wish they had expanded on more, was they show that for every attack this team does, something else happens in retaliation. Like and it's they worse. show yeah, they show multiple like there are you know uh, another airline hijacking, letter bombing, bombs. yeah, letter bombs, things like that. And uh that's like I think that's a really important message that this movie gets across. I wish they had gone further with it because of how long this movie is. I almost wish they had done it where we're following two teams. So I know I'm jumping way ahead, but later in the movie when they're rooming accidentally, quote unquote accidentally, mm-hmm. with the PLO. Yeah, my night with the Arabs. Yeah, my <laughs> night with the Arabs. Like <laughs> that whole scene. I as soon as that scene happened, I think a better way this movie could have been set up was if up to that point we were following both teams. If that PLO group was doing stuff the whole time too, and we were following them, and Maybe. we were following and it would have been sympathy kind ah sympathy's rough but we could have understood point both points of views and then that them rooming together could have been the it could have been another movie like flags of our fathers and letters from Iwo Jima oh that's good too i would still keep the plo rooming thing as like the crossover yeah. point cuz that makes a a really good the characters finally interact thing it's like the uh, robert de niro and al pacino and heat when it's like they finally get together um but yeah, I really do like that message of they're not just taking the side of this team in Israel. You know what I mean? They're showing the chaos of the whole situation. I like your idea, though, because that makes me think of The Departed, where you're just waiting yeah, for the characters to no, have that's a collision. A, that's a great you know? example of you're following Matt Damon, who's the bad cop, and you're, mm-hmm. and Leonardo DiCaprio is the good cop. And like, yeah, you get to see both sides. And it really builds the tension. Like, it It's does. a good storytelling tool. Yeah, and... Um, I don't. I mean, I don't think this movie has any problem building tension. A lot of the attempted or a lot of the setup for the assassinations are pretty tense, especially even though the second one. The sec, yeah, because if we go into the second assassination, I knew from a mile away what was happening. But the first time I saw this movie, I thought that girl was going to, oh, she was going to be dead. But uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit because the setup is just they. They're in France now. Yeah, they find the next guy in France. Papa, papa, papa. Uh, I forgot what he's... He's one of the leaders, though. One of the organizers. One of the organizers. And they first go in... The bomb maker goes in as a newspaper man interviewing uh, this man about r- the r- most recent Palestinian terrorist attack and uh, asks him a little bit about Munich. Oh, and he he's interviewing him about... Because they had just found out the three terrorists that survived the Munich like shootout had escaped to Libya and he was asking what they felt what he felt about that and whatnot. And then he figures out there's one phone in the house and he figures out the make and like the number and stuff for the phone so they can make like a bomb rig to go in it. And uh they wait till the family leaves and sneak back in as telephone repairmen, which is which kind of funny. I it was like a very tense moment that they were breaking into this house, but I was laughing at like how simple of an idea that was. It was just like they put on a costume. (laughs) (laughs) You ever played Hitman? (laughs) Ever played Hitman? Yeah. Um, But 
when they set up the phone bomb, they do. I, this is actually a pretty neat little trick to blow up the phone. Yeah, it's well done. They call it, and then the receiver will turn red when the person's answered the phone, and then they just can turn the key and blow up the phone. Uh, but of course, they do the classic like the guy's daughter answers the phone. And they do the rush to like call it off, and you know what saves that little girl's life? Adhesive tape not coming off. That's really what does it. Like, be careful with your adhesive tape, listeners. Like, yeah. oh man, and by, it shows by three M. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it shows that the uh, the first kill hasn't changed them yet because they. Oh yeah, they're still very like still hesitant, and especially with like the daughter, and they freaked out and really yeah. tried to stop it. Did it you think she funny. was gonna die? Did you um, think that girl was first time toast? viewing? I thought that they might kill her um, just to uh, put some conflict in them. Like, do we still want to keep doing this because we right. killed this girl? So I actually thought she might die because when they introduced her playing the piano or whatever, I was like, oh, there's something that's going to happen. Yeah, that, that was that but was the giveaway. Is her playing the piano, and it's just like we're spending way too much on this <laughs> character to yeah. not have something happen with her. Uh, but yeah, she survives. But actually. The terrorist survives for a little bit because they didn't put enough explosive in the phone, or or I guess the bomb maker claims it was enough, but it was bad because this is when they start not trusting Louis, right? Or have we even been introduced to Louis? We haven't been introduced to Louis. I'm yes, jumping ahead. We have in France. This, this I, is. I think this is when this we is are the introduced. One. To oh, him. this yeah. is when we're introduced to so. Louis. Because mm-hmm. uh, up to that <laughs> point, Eric Bana was Louis, using Louis, his Louis. college friend. Right, I'm assuming college or childhood friend. Yeah, that was such a storyline that kind of went nowhere. That's why I skipped it. But it was, it was very weird. Louis, the whole movie, I cannot get this out of my head. The actor who plays Louis looks just like, to me at least, looks just like Jimmy Simpson, who is the guy who plays like Mary and Psych, and uh, he's in a lot of other. Oh, he kind of does. Like he was in Westworld. Westworld is yeah. another one. Yeah, yeah, that guy. So I was just picturing him the whole time as like the informant. <laughs> The German Shepherd. Oh, yeah. That was a big German <laughs> Shepherd. Uh, right. Oh, but yeah, like I was saying, though, the terrorist survives the phone blast initially. But then we find out later, you know, he died of his wounds because um, we get a quick jaunt of Eric Bana running back to Israel to uh, see his baby being born. Uh, and we kind of get a it's all to just build up Eric. Eric Bana's character is the, like you were saying, John, the guy to root for, and you understanding his like conflict and stuff. But again, that stretches this movie out quite a bit. It's true. I do like their conversation, though. Eric Bana and his wife. I like that he like tries to have a heart to heart moment when she's like, "But you're never home," and he's like says something like, "You are you're my the, home." You're the only home I've ever known. I've ever known, and she like laughs at him, yeah. and he's immediately <laughs> like, "It was hard for me to say that." <laughs> 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 it's so corny. Yeah, it's so corny is what she has, is exactly what she says. Uh, but then, of course, you know, he gets back in time, and that's when we find out the terrorist did die of his wounds. And this is, yeah, we're introduced to a Lahue. Lua, 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 Lua. That was very nice. Then they have the spy talk. Yeah, they have the, because it's like Louis' organization, which we never really figure out and isn't louis the actor who is in quantum of solace is the bad guy in quantum of yes. solace because the entire time he was talking about his organization doesn't you know take sides politically and they're like free of all that nonsense we hate governments i was like is this 
Spectre? Like, are we in Quantum of Solace? Like, what's happening? Um, yeah, but he gives the information and starts... If I understood it correctly, it's they're going to pay him for each name he can locate on their list, right? Mm-hmm. Is kind of the vibe. And uh, we're never really explained how he can come across this information. But no, he's he has a network of spies. There's a bridge of them. There's a bridge of them. And a Tom Hanks once crossed it. It yeah. was crazy. They're held together. That's also a Spielberg movie about, about Munich. <laughs> 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 oh, wow. Full circle. The... Uh, this is is this where we we then move to um, the third bombing, which is them trying to set up the the bed bomb, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And uh, this is the this was a weird kind of setup because it's the whole thing of the terrorist leader is going to be in one room, and then there's a pair of honeymooners on the other side, and then they Eric Bana's stop doing it can't stop doing it. Eric Bana is going to be on the other side of the room to let them know when he goes to sleep because they've rigged the bomb to arm once he's laid back onto the bed, which was kind of terrifying that that like that could be a thing. <laughs> terrifying and terrifying for Eric Bana. Like, oh, yeah. I I know they said that it wouldn't kill him or whatever, but well, I don't know if I would have trusted Obviously, them. it went wrong because we, we get a quick little Eric Bana has a conversation with the leader of the you know black september one of the leaders of the black september Makes for a you second feel for him. and then you see the honeymooners but then when he it's interesting how conflicted he is to decide to turn off the light cuz that's the signal to blow up the bomb and i couldn't tell maybe you guys got a better vibe of it. was it reluctant to be like okay we're going to kill this man or is he scared that the bomb might hurt him i took it as he was still torn like he still had trouble killing these people is what I thought. And especially since they had a conversation, right. they kind of like pulled on his heartstrings a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that was how I He offered it. him sleeping pills. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a moment. I don't know. It was one of those things where I kept being like, I feel like it wouldn't be, it, would, it wouldn't be that tense for him at this point, but maybe you're right. I just also was thinking I would be hesitant too if I know a bomb's going to go off like in the next room, like, that's scary. Uh, but obviously the bomb does go off, and it's a lot more powerful than uh, they initially anticipated because both rooms pretty much get blown out, and uh, the Honeymooners are real torn up. Um, first uh, first bit of nudity, though, right? That was the first you know nudity in the movie, correct? Um, Is, or have we seen somebody there? naked? Well, I, yeah, I mean, like... Let's Eric talk about this for a second. <laughs> like, I, I know there's multiple bouts of nudity later in this movie, but, yeah. like, including I mean, some male nudity. We got some pregnant belly. Ah, that's not nudity, though. That's life, man. That's just, <laughs> you know... I don't. I think this is our first bit of nudity, is that poor, blind, bloodied honeymooner woman, which Eric Bana does the gentleman thing, covers her with a blanket. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Now put a pin in that thought, Mark. We'll be revisiting it. <laughs> Will do. The uh, And then after this bombing, though, they get in a big fight. And this is the first time they decide whether or not they should trust Louis. Because the bomb maker's certain that the, the amount he used shouldn't have done what it did. And uh, that it must have been tampered with or the labeled incorrectly or something. Because he didn't make the mistake. It had to have been from Louis or whatever. 
Um, I did. I was expecting something to happen with this, and it didn't. I was a little bummed out. Was the them being on the fishing boat, and they're having this argument, and then it's just like, wait, who who set up this fishing boat? And then they're like, Louis did. And then it pans out, and they're all looking out into the open. I was kind of hoping something was going to happen, <laughs> but uh, nothing really came from that. And it's still mm-hmm. the should we trust Louis or won't we? Um, from there, this is where we get kind of like a field trip to Libya with our team because uh, the next person on their name has gone to Libya where he's going to stay. So then it turns into a, I guess, jurisdiction argument with Jeffrey Rush's character about whether or not the team can operate there, which I didn't fully understand. Was it just because they wanted it to be, you know, they couldn't be connected to Mossad? Like the team couldn't? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they weren't they weren't actually on the payroll of Israel or whatever. Right. Oh, I guess I forgot to say that at the beginning because the whole setup for Eric Bana is he has to resign from Mossad, and um, doesn't even have dental insurance. Oh yeah, they make the dental insurance <laughs> joke. Way to go, Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's an important plot point that I forgot to mention. So my apologies. So they are officially like not connected to Mossad or whatever. Um, you just put money in a box for him. <laughs> Oh yeah, I did like that when they get in an argument with Jeffrey Rush later, where they're like, by "I pay, box. yeah, the whole I pay you, so you do work for me." He's like, "No, I get paid for from a metal box." <laughs> <laughs> do I work for the metal box? <laughs> uh, I liked I liked the field trip to uh, Libya, but it's I kind of Lebanon. Oh, it was Lebanon. I thought it was Libya. Beirut is where. Oh, they, they did go to Beirut. Ah, oh, Peter, what would I do without you? I'd probably be dead in a gutter somewhere. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> But and when they is, go to Beirut, also where the, they made a deal, the deal with Louis was oh, six hundred thousand. Right. He's like, you know, I'm gonna pay you a little bit more for this, six hundred thousand. And Louis's like, I really hope you're not doing this to try to uh, make like acquaintances with any, you know, state government, or because like the r- one rule, the rule is, is anti-government. They don't do anything for the government. Bad government, boo boo bad, boo boo bad, boo boo bad government. Bad as government. soon as he gets bad. wind of that. What Anarchy, it, bad government, <laughs> bad government. <laughs> he said oh, something, he was kind of suave about it, like how just he'll disappear and then I'll be angry. Oh, yeah. Uh, he yeah, It's like a half threat. Yeah. Uh, Which he wasn't the most intimidating guy to me. Yeah. So I find it interesting that he played a villain in um, the James Bond movie too. But that's beyond the story. Yeah, <laughs> It's all connected, man. This takes place... <laughs> In James <laughs> Bond world. Yeah. The Daniel Craig, it's true. What did you guys think, though, of the field trip to uh, Lebanon? Uh, I I felt like it was a little underwhelming, if I'm not if I'm totally honest. Like, I know this movie wasn't meant to be, like, an action-packed thing, but it felt a little rushed. anticlimactic and rushed for how long this movie was, as well as... I did laugh at a couple of gags, though, that... uh. I don't. I don't think they were supposed to be intentionally be funny, but I found them funny. Was one the uh, how the Israeli special forces got up to the gate was some of them As were dressed women. like women, so it could <laughs> yeah. look like they were couples walking around <laughs> at night. And yeah, when the light came on, his and it was just face, like he's like, <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't it wasn't shock. It was like God, they're ugly. Oh, it's dudes. Yeah. And then they couldn't 
quickly single, lost yeah. the the outfit after that. <laughs> it was like they wore it for like thirty seconds. But yeah, I guess it worked there. Was a solid thirty seconds. Yeah, and then when they're going through the building and uh, they're blowing stuff up, I did laugh. I laughed actually pretty hard at that. They blew the door open and they're searching for the room and they're like, he's not here. Where could he be? It's just he was under the the door. door. (laughs) I was like, oh, wow, that's dark. Yeah. (laughs) Because they pick the door up and then they shoot him and they drop the door back on him. (laughs) Yeah, they lift it up and then they like put the picture next to his head. Yeah, that's him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, oh, that's so bad, but it, just how it plays out is so <laughs> funny. Uh, but yeah, then they do kind of have to do like a quick escape because obviously the uh, uh, the rest of that guy's troops are coming to fight him off and get like a quick escape scene. Um, after that, though, like you were saying, Peter, he broke the one rule. He helped a bad, bad, bad government, a bad, bad government man. And so now he has to meet the papa. Which is Louis' father. Which actually turned out to be a nice little outing. Yeah. Like, that was was an interesting scene because I I feel like that was supposed to be intimidating. But if anything, it was like, I like this papa guy. (laughs) I think you're supposed to because the whole... um, Well, his son's a dick. And his daughter. (laughs) He called them centaur and minotaur. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he likes them. Oh my gosh, because they're two halves of one person. Oh, (laughs) this movie is deep. (laughs) (laughs) This is Gary Marshall level. I know. (laughs) Walking through the vineyards or whatever, and they're like pulling things, you know, all these metaphors. He's like, but that's too ripe. It's like, yeah, but a little torture and I'll get you what you need. You know, like... There's a lot of talk throughout the whole movie about cooking, but it never they never land that metaphor. Like I kept thinking cooking was going to be a metaphor. <laughs> it takes time. But it is it that takes, what they're going Maybe for? they were no. cooking up the metaphor well, the whole time. It takes <laughs> cooking up. It takes time some trouble <laughs> to get what you want and then why are you cooking to feed your family? Which is where he and Papa connected. Because he's like, so I know what you did with the Israeli government was because you have a family. And it's like, I also do what I do because I have a family, which is why I'll allow it this time. Which is interesting subplot that kind of a lot of the parents that were introduced in this movie, like the older generation in this movie were introduced, is they talk about World War II. Yeah. This is 1972. This isn't that long after World War II. And no. like, you know, the papa talks about that he was a part of the German resistance and uh that he, or the french resistance and he you know he doesn't like governments because they fought so hard to get rid of the nazis to only be replaced by america and russia which is like an interesting kind of backstory that sets up why he is the way he is and uh, same thing with eric banna's mom where she's talking about how she, her family most of her family died in the holocaust and it's like wow there's a lot of a lot of layers to this movie um, like an onion which you cook with Oh my gosh! Oh. Is that the metaphor of the cooking? Shrek. Is that why Eric Bana's yeah. always looking at a kitchen window thing in Paris? Well, that I think he just well he just likes cooking. Well, and he wants something with his family, you know. Like it's very uh, a kitchen is familial. Oh wow! Is it bad that I didn't take that as family and I took it as that's what he loves to do is cook? So he's just looking at something that was like nice. That's about his passion. Wow. I read that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the butcher hands comment? I Got thought 80. that was a bit on the nose by Papa. I thought that was very much a like, oh, look at your hands. 
You're a butcher with a gentleman's heart because you kill people. I know everything. I'm Papa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Munich. <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of subtle, but not really. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's not explicit, but it's also not nuanced. Right. Like I get right. the metaphor, sir. <laughs> right. Move along. But yeah. we learned that Louis no longer likes this team. Like you can see he has soured on this team, but Papa likes him. And Papa gives him the pass and lets them know where the next target's going to be. And, and now they're going to take the 200,000 per name. Yeah. Little pay bump. Mhm. Mhm. And uh this is where we what we where we get to oh, Excuse me. This is where we Whoa. get to the thing I was talking about earlier about the uh, Arabian Nights like living together with some PLO terrorists. Um a safe house. What a classic little mix up. That was <laughs> so weird. I I know we were talking about how the not treating the audience like they're idiots. This seemed like a moment they were because they were like, we need a place to operate in. Um, in where do they go? They go to. Where do they go for the, the whatever city or Athens? This is in Athens, and uh, we need a place to operate in Athens. He says, oh, "I'll find you a place. I'll, I'll find you a house, a safe house." And then later, when the PLO guys come in, it's like they really emphasize like safe. House. I was kind of like, I get it. That's what you call these places. Well, <laughs> I think at least when they, I think at least when they came in and they saw another group of people, they're reiterating that this is a safe house, right? Like we're not going to shoot each other, right? That's how uh, I took them, like reiterating. But the first time, not the first time in the car with Louis, how Louis says it, it I, maybe it's yeah. supposed to be taken as like a threat almost, but it was just like. You're over explaining what a safe <laughs> house is. It's very easy to understand what a safe house is. <laughs> thanks, Louis. On. See ya. Yeah, thanks, Louis. But it's like a classic hotel era where you double book a room. <laughs> to backtrack a little bit, when they're leaving the Papa's Vineyard, Papa John's Vineyard, uh, <laughs> when they, they make him put That's on... That's where he gets those tomatoes from. <laughs> Better ingredients. <laughs> Papa John. <laughs> the, uh, he puts on the eye mask to get there. And then when he leaves, he hands the eye mask to make Eric Bana wear again. I was kind of hoping Eric Bana was going to pull like a Sherlock Holmes and be like, oh, I know exactly where we are. And like do all this <laughs> list of things. But that didn't happen. I was like, oh, yeah, because he's a normal he's person. Yeah, he's a normal <laughs> human being. <laughs> then you realize, oh, wait. Yeah, I, I inflated and deflated my own balloon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back to the safe house, the house where they're safe. Safe house. Do you get it? Safe house. To work from. <laughs> to work from. In safety. In sa <laughs> I did think it was funny when the PLO does come in and then they have their standoff or whatever. Instead of saying they're all part of one terrorist group, because like, the, the guys that barge in are just PLO. They're all PLO. Yeah. But the our team decides to well, no, it claim was Robert that did it. Well, Robert, he yeah. He was thinking on his toes like a smart dude. Well, a smart dude, but I think it would have been made more sense if they were all part of the same terrorist group. Why would why would people from the ETA, IRA, ANC, and the Red Faction all just be chilling in there, being like, oh, we decided to work together on this one? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> this mean, one? I don't know, but <laughs> they bought it. I, yeah, I thought that was... I just thought that was something... That was interesting because it was quick on his feet that they immediately were like, no, 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 we're terrorists too. We can all be terrorists. We, we know the secret terrorist oh, handshake. Like, oh, come <laughs> on. Like, oh, capitalism, Western <laughs> culture. Oh, you're right, guys. And they, you know, all hug it out. Um, the fight over the jukebox was great. 
Yeah, the, the fight of the. I liked that because <laughs> I thought that was going to be a stupid point of tension, and then I liked Eric Bennett and him are both just into by the radio until they find something both like, and then they just like chill out. I thought that was funny, which again would have been so much better if it was what we were talking about, where we followed this PLO. Oh, group the tension at that up. point. Exactly. Because yeah, yeah. you wouldn't know who to root for. I can like, feel oh, it. Oh, well, actually, I mean, <laughs> <It's a pretty laughs> <laughs> I take that Speak back. First. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, ah, oh, they are. The Arrest PLO. them, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Book them, Dano. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> I watched a movie. <laughs> I kind of saw it. I guess. <laughs> I guess I would feel bad though. Yeah, like I, you yeah. would have made a connection with. Yeah, more of a human connection. You would have <laughs> felt what Eric Vanna felt. Exactly. Oh, well, that conversation was weird, and I felt like I thought it was going to be giving them away. It should I did too. He I was way too passionate about defending Israel as a Jews. German. Especially if he was, I'm curious what terrorist group he was supposed to be with. Because, like, if he was the IRA, then that would have made no sense. No, he was supposed to be Russian. Oh, he was supposed to be the Red Army faction, right? He referenced them. From Germany. You guys have homes to go back to. Yeah. That was a, a very interesting talk back and forth. That was one of the better both sides of the argument. I like. And what he was saying, Ollie, or. Ali. Yeah, yeah, it was Ali. What he was saying to Eric Bano was also the same thing that the um, guy in France, uh, he and his wife were saying too. Oh, no, yeah. And then, you know, Eric Bano repeats it later in the movie. Not to jump too far ahead, there's a point where Robert tells, I think it's when they go to kill the Dutch woman, when um, Robert tells Eric Bano, like, why are we, we need to stop this. This isn't what being a Jew's about and um, like what Israel's about. And then he, says we'll fight him for he says almost verbatim what Ali says of yeah. like even if it takes a hundred years and it's just we'll like win both sides see themselves as the righteous cause and yeah the other is the infractor and here we are right the the Athens assassination though is pretty crazy in the sense of like what they were trying to do with the TV I give mad respect to the forger character. Uh, well, I forgot what his name was on the team. Hans. Oh, it was Hans. Was the forger? Hans Solo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But he's the one that ends up like when the bomb's not going off. Yeah. Being, he, a, he just being a G. Being, yeah, he's like, yeah, he, I got this. <laughs> Put the team on his back. Then. Oh, yeah. I thought he was going to die. The I didn't first see time I, I saw that, I No, I, was like, I thought he was no going to sacrifice himself. I thought he was like telling them, go off. And he was going like, to push this. the guy into the TV thing or whatever. Oh, yeah. That was smooth move because I thought he was just going to throw the grenade and run away. He made sure the door was closed and the guy was in the room. <laughs> like, I mean, like He thought it through. Uh, but that was pretty crazy. And then they get in a shootout with... Um, because the KGB is This there. Athens guy is the replacement for the first guy they killed who was the liaison to the KGB. Um, so they get in a shootout with the KGB, which is bad because they killed two of them. And then they also kill Ali from our uh, PLO group. Poor Ali. Never had a home. Never had a home. Which that was an interesting shootout because they were, it was one of those things where they're on both sides of a car and they like kept popping up, but they weren't shooting through the car. Like that yeah. seemed weird. I don't see how Ollie missed him, honestly. No, he yeah. was like right in front of this, him. Out of the whole, all the like little mini fight scenes, this was the, in my opinion, the most poorly shot fight scene because even when they're escaping and uh, Carl oh. is shooting out the window, it's off. But what about Beirut when they're coming down the stairs? Oh, yeah, that one was pretty bad, too. But I, I just mean the sense of, like, 
the squibs to the angle the gun was at and how the car was moving means that there's no way Carl actually shot Ali. You know what I mean? There's like a second shooter. <laughs> second shooter. <laughs> Who killed Ali? Please write in. TMFTpodcast at gmail.com. The grassy Who killed Ali? Ali? <laughs> of Athens. We but I'm, I'm telling you, if question. you go back and like play it, it's really awkward. And that yeah. really stuck out to me. But it was sad that, you know, it's kind of like, oh, we just met that PLO guy. <laughs> Prince Ali. <laughs> It'll be Ali Kababa. Ali Ababa. <laughs> oh, wait. That's kind of ironic because isn't the first guy they assassinate, he was translating... Arabian Nights? He was. Oh, into wow. Italian. Into Italiano. Uh, yes. So, th- <laughs> sorry. <laughs> trying to bring some culture to this this savagery. Some Italiano and my spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> We're talking about no Italiano. Oh, Chef Boy RD. <laughs> <laughs> um,. But <laughs> after Athens kind of goes bad, they do get the name from Louis for the head, like, I Salami guess, sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> Salami. Salami. His name was Salami. <laughs> it's <laughs> Hassan. It's Ali Hassan Salami. Another Ali. Or Salame, I imagine yeah. is how you pronounce it. But he's, he's like the Salami. He's yeah. like the big hitter on the list. And they finally track him down. And it was a good sandwich if he had some salami. <laughs> right. <laughs> way to, way to, way um, to go. Some spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Savagery, okay? Um, but this is where we learn the CIA, you know, classic America. Oh we're just, my God. We're just giving money to terrorists. We're just Ugh. fiddling in things we don't know what we're fiddling about. It's and actually, <laughs> how it's described is a pretty funny like in my mind, how the conversation went down was just like that terrorist, and they're like, "Hey, so like we get it. You're killing a bunch of people. Like, here's hundred thousand dollars. Let's just like no U.S. citizens. Like, okay, come on, like cut that out. <laughs> Here, like just take a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, just like all right, okay. <laughs> like, cause it, it doesn't explain it. Like, we use the U.S. uses him as an asset. It legitimately just seems like we're paying this dude off to be like, can you please not like kill Americans. It's like it's like paying your neighbor for blasting music too loud. It's like, can you just like come on, just stop? Okay. There's more where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> but they go to London to assassinate this guy, and this is another really cool, intricate how they're following him and moving about. It's very professional, and I thought this was going to be the first time we see a truly professional assassination by them, where it was going to be, you know, follow through. But classic CIA, you know, they get in there, um, acting drunk. Bump into them. Drunken Americans. That's happened twice. Every time we've seen Americans in this movie, they've been drunk. That's true. Oh, man. I think that's uh, social commentary from Steve. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Even though he was born and raised in America. <laughs> um, I actually liked that strategy. You know what I mean? Of the how the CIA kind of came out of nowhere and they yeah. were drunk and they didn't blatantly let him get in the car and they yeah and they didn't do what I think a lot of spy movies do where it's like the CIA gay, CIA gay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh no oops redact redact we're, redact we're, we're on a list now guys Mark did support a terrorist group earlier in this podcast you. How easily it came I'm, out, I too. meant to say CIA guy. Is that yeah, what you and your you friends talk said about? CIA gay. Oh, uh, how would they have known which one Salami was, though? You what know? do you mean? They had a picture of him. Yeah. I guess so, but 
It just I no. Well, know. they point out at the be- at the beginning of the movie that since the Munich incident, none of these guys are really hiding because they're like rock stars to yeah, the Arab world. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, but and yeah, we don't see the the part where they locate him. Right, like, I have a hard time believing this is the first night that they're in London. They're like, oh my god, oh there, <laughs> there he is. He is. <laughs> they're like sitting at a diner and they just walk by. Oh my Salami? god, Salami. The uh, but what I was saying was that the no, in a lot of times in CIA movies or spy movies, this would be the scene where the CIA guy would grab Eric Bana and be like, "Calm down, I'm CIA." <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. He'd be like, "You can't kill that man. He's an asset to us." Is that Batman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and got him. You can't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry, <laughs> dude. Can't even trust it. <laughs> Slow down, Mossad. Yeah. We know you're working for Mossad, guy. <laughs> like, I get salami. Like, I liked that it was just a subtle, they interrupted their assassination attempt and then got in a car, drove off. by, and flipped them off. And then we just got the message of clearly that was the CIA guys. Yeah. Because <laughs> only Americans. Flip yeah. Nobody off. flips anybody the bird like <laughs> Americans do. No. Yeah. No one flips off the Israelis. You know why they call it flipping the bird? The eagle. American eagle. Yeah. <laughs> just flipping you <laughs> off, John. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> after that goes. I do that too, though. After that goes wrong, though. You know, they go back to the bar because, like, what are you going to do after a failed assassination? Just drink. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you got to drink your troubles away. And uh, there's a cutie uh, playing Eyes with uh, Eric Bana. And the first time I saw this movie, I was going to be so mad if this turned into a subplot of he cheats on his wife and then he feels doubly bad about both killing people and sleeping, like, cheating on his wife. It's like, ugh. Anti-hero. Too much. It's just too much. But he didn't. He refutes her. Yeah. Pretty well, actually, I wanted to ask you about this because he leaves her after mm-hmm. they have their conversation and talks about perfume, which is important. But he goes back upstairs, has a nightmare because he keeps having nightmares that are exact like the play by play of what the Munich incident so was. I don't, which was weird ta- to me. I didn't take those as his nightmares, him, like that being his nightmare, it as had much to have been. as just he's. Uh, he has his own nightmares, and that's a time for us to be able to see where we picked off last. Well, I would dispute that because later in the movie, at the very end, when he's having that really awkward sex scene with his Super wife. Super awkward. And it's just like flashes of that. It's like he has to be thinking about that. That's why he's like free, super sweaty out of nowhere, too. <laughs> he was doing all the work in that <laughs> All around weird. But that's that, we'll, we'll get, get to that. Yeah, we'll get even turn into the I, Hulk I at one point. But that's, what that's my what original question, though, was, because he wakes up from that nightmare, is he goes back downstairs to the bar. So is he looking for her? Because then he comes back upstairs, and he goes by Carl's room. Well, maybe he was looking for Carl that he was leaving in there. Oh, maybe, yeah. Because oh, we forgot to mention Carl goes into the bar Carly, after he leaves the bar. And then we have the classic friendly conversation before a friend dies oh man uh, all carl needed to do was like needed to be like hey by the way i forgot to tell you i'm two weeks from retirement all right the only thing that was missing <laughs> mikey uh, please no mike <laughs> i was good to you mike <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yeah so it's eric Bennett comes after Golly. carl had gone to the bar and eric Bennett comes back up he goes to carl's room well this and is just the conversation they have though is about do we know who we're killing? Right. That is an important 
like Cause moral conversation. Because well, Carl's the voice of reason the whole time about how he's not okay with what they're doing, but he's doing it anyway. Yeah, because like he's like, how do we know that Louis? Because bef- by this point, Jeffrey Rush has come back and he's asked them who oh, their contacts their contact are, and is, he yeah. won't give them up. And then um, Carl Mans Raider is like. For all we know, Louis is Mossad's, and they're just testing us to see if oh, we're yeah, going to do up, it. Yeah, he comes up with a couple scenarios that actually make sense. Yeah, and then Eric's like, oh, Carl, don't chase the mice in your head. The Well, the <laughs> one that I wanted to actually come out to be true, because it would have been a crazy twist to the situation, was that Louis was working with the PLO to do house cleaning. Yeah. That mm-hmm. would have been a crazy twist. I also wanted Carl to talk about how he's going to start the biggest fire the North has ever seen, but that never happened. <laughs> no. <sighs> Poor Mance. Uh, but yeah, Eric Bana goes by Carl's room, smells the perfume, and gives that line of, oh, Carl, I saw her first. Yeah. And then just, that's why I was asking, like, was he going down there to be like, you know what? What's one night with a stranger? Because, like, eh. It seemed a little bit like Eric Bana was going back down for her, but before he fully walks away, he sees the doors cracked. We, we Carl would room. never do that. Yeah, Carl's all about security. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was his job. No, <laughs> uh, they go in. Carl's dead. Golly. Sad. Fully naked. We get to see full male nudity, though. And, you know, this was 2005. We get to it's see. Good, good for Spielberg. You know, it's what? about no. time men and I'm women were both sure showed naked. I'm pretty sure we already seen his junk in Rome. Well, yeah, but I'm just meaning the sense of in this movie. I mean, okay. I'm just talking about equality amongst nudity. For every naked woman, we should see some dong. Am I right, guys? High fives. Nothing? Room? All right. <laughs> I mean, if it's 2018, Peter. If that's your th- look, like if you like looking at schlongs, Mark, that's. I'm not saying fully erect here, okay? <laughs> We're gonna keep it, you know, safe. <laughs> <laughs> he said fully erect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what well, you guys can't see. <laughs> Hand check. <laughs> Mark's wearing gym shorts. <laughs> oh man. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Mo- moving back to the movie, Carl is dead and naked that's, and naked, and that's sad. Um, they find out that woman that was at the bar was a Dutch contract killer. You know, you know, could have been hired by anybody, but they're assuming the PLO, or actually Eric Vanna is a little bit assuming that it's Louis. Louis. Femme fatale, if you will. Femme fatale. Cynthia <laughs> by, by Louis. <laughs> uh, but Louis does make a point to be like, I want to make it known that this was not us, and this we're giving this her to you for free. Yeah, Papa shows up for that. Oh, yeah. Because Papa... Oh, gosh, you got to love that Papa. Fresh ingredients. Better pizza. <laughs> I wish he was the informant. <laughs> Papa John. With his apron. <laughs> With his apron. Well, he's no longer Oh, yeah, they, they, got rid of, they got rid of the Papa. Louis in real played life. by Peyton Manning. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. yes. Peyton Manning in this movie? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go back in time. Speaking of which, before we go any further... I'm sorry, guys. I couldn't find a place to put Chris Farley in this movie. Uh. <laughs> I just couldn't think of one. Like, who would he be? It would have been um. fun if he had been like... Um, <laughs> no, he could have been the um, the CIA agent that runs up against Eric Bana. He could have been the drunk guy. Oh, that would have been funny. <laughs> or what if 
What if uh, he's a sexy girl? One of the girls, yeah, that dressed up, or he could have been Daniel. No, no. Daniel Craig. Chris Farley. Chris Farley is one of the random Israeli special forces guys that dresses up like a woman. To <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, because he's not Israeli. But that's and what makes it funny. Could you see him throwing himself around, too? <gasps> what if Chris Farley's the Dutch woman? That's what, yeah. Is that what you're saying? That's what I was saying. Oh, is the, is the Dutch woman assassin seducing everybody? <laughs> He's like, oh, what a waste. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Exposing man. himself. I, well, the, good segue, Peter. Let's talk about <laughs> when they kill her. Because this was another level of just like awkwardness, which was understandable. It's and that was cool, the though. point. But it's pretty cool. It was a it was a great scene. It also just was kind of sad. I, I guess. I mean, I, I didn't feel bad for her as much of like I felt. Is it weird to say I felt bad for them as they're shooting this woman? <laughs> that seems wrong, <laughs> but that's the emotion I had. <laughs> I did think it was, again, uh, the forger being a G because Daniel Craig and Eric Bana shoot her in the chest with those cool little like pump guns. The awkward part I was referring to is them like trying to reload it. I'm like, oh, wow, you guys did not think this through. Uh, the fact that the forger comes out of nowhere and just pops her in the head with it. I was like, yeah, the forger's kind of a G. Yeah, and then uh, so that pen I told you to put a thought in when Eric Bana, newlywed woman, he covers her up. He he goes to cover up the Dutch woman. Right, because she strips to try to like seduce them or plead for her life. So we get to see a naked woman shot twice, which is interesting. Interesting he, to say the least. And he covers her up. And then Hans says no. No. Which I didn't get at first, but then I realized it's because that's what she did to Carl. She left him well, yeah, and exposed then, and yeah, dead. Yeah. <laughs> No death, no dignity in death. Not an honorable way to go. Naked and shot three times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> at least not that kind. At least, yeah. I thought that was yeah, that was a very powerful scene. I should say. I said it sarcastically, but I meant it. <laughs> um, from there, though, we just move. When we, we like we lost Robert at this point. No, no. This is this is the moment where I was going to where they're we start losing team members no we lost we, robert going to oh kill the girl. you're right because this is when they're getting on the, on the train to go kill her and robert says like brings up the morality of how he's not okay with what they're doing anymore and none of this makes sense and this isn't what being jewish is about and for israel and all that and so they kind of give him a break and they're like you can sit this one out robert goes to his toy shack out in nowheresville i don't know where that was but he gets blown up which I'm happy it wasn't he didn't blow himself up. I, I mean, he still died, which sucked because I liked him as a character. But I thought that's what they were going with, with how he was disarming all those bombs and like setting up new bombs. And then after, is it him? And then they find Robert on the bench, right? Or, or not Robert. They find um, Hans on the bench, right? Yeah. Or is that a little bit later? Well, that's later because they're in... Um where are they? Oh, no, this is when they're back in Germany. I think they go back to Germany at this point. And then, all right, yeah, because it's, it's Hans, or Robert dies. Eric Bana becomes super paranoid. And it has that whole callback to what Carl said at the beginning as a joke of how he, he had a Mossad agent. Yeah, a Mossad field agent who slept in his closet every night because Eric Bannon goes and sleeps in his closet every night. Mm. Or not every night, that night. Yeah, and he's, he's <laughs> checking. Every night. <laughs> yeah, while we see Robert disassembling bombs, 
we got Avner checking like the bed, checking the phone. Oh yeah, he checks all the, the places they put bombs. I and thought that he, was interesting. And he can't sleep there, so he just goes in the closet where there's a bomb. <laughs> that would. <laughs> that's where they put the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but from out. there, yeah, then it's Hans because St- Stephen, who's played by Daniel Craig, comes to him and says, "I can't find Hans. I went by his apartment because he seemed distraught." And um, he went on a walk and hasn't come back. Hasn't come back. And then they find him at a park bench and he had been stabbed, which was sad. That, like, we didn't even get to see it. They kind of made it more sad. It is sad. Um, so now it's just the two of them. But good news. They found out where Salami is. God, that just feels like we're making fun of this character. <laughs> it just sounds like we're being super insensitive, like a bunch of southern rednecks being like, what's his name, Salami? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Provolone. And <laughs> <laughs> but that is his name, is Hassan Salami. Um, Prostrami. I have a problem. From this point on, in my personal opinion, this is where the movie kind of falls off. It does, like the it wheels kind of fall like off a little bit. Drags a little bit. It, it both drags and the decisions don't really make sense. I, I, like a lot of it just seems weird to me. Like they couldn't figure out a way to wrap up the story. And maybe the real life story is like that, where it just gets super chaotic. But the fact that they find out where this guy is, where he's going to be for a limited period of time, and then they go like paint themselves up and just sneak into this dude's house or outside this dude's house to snipe him from they got really close and they had a snipe rifle. I feel like they could have hit yeah. further away first <laughs> off. Also, they they decided all the other times had been planned out to where they could get him alone or at the very least just a couple bodyguards and it worked out. They decided to try to assassinate this guy while he's at a party with like a hundred people. And they were right next to each other. No one's watching the yeah. perimeter. Yeah. The the whole thing felt like I, maybe, and maybe again, that's how it really happened. It goes back to them being amateurs. You're right. It does, but it like also. They only killed six people before this. And they're that's a lot true. smoother in their other one, or some but of they, the other they ones. They seem there. smoother. Um, and then, yeah, but of course, they. <laughs> it's like. The house that the party's taking place in has a bunch of weird mirrors, so they can't find him. Like, they see him, but they can't tell which one's real, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> Shoot both of them. It just made me think of the Key and Peele sketch, where it's the they're making fun of the funhouse scene, and yeah. it's the whole, like, uh, scanning the gun around the room, and when it goes over his face, the guy flinches. So, <laughs> so you immediately like, oh, I know that's you. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like... This could totally be a metaphor for you don't know what the truth is, which oh, which story is real. Oh, I could see that. Well, you're because Eric Bana, or I mean uh, Daniel Craig keeps asking Eric Bana, "Are you sure it's him? You need to be sure." And yada yada yada. And this is where I was like, "How would they know?" But in a room full of that many people, and they just are going on that picture. I don't know. I I think it would have been tough to identify. But then we get the classic bumbly security guard that discovers (laughs) them and can't get his darn gun off his shoulder. Just got his driver's license, probably. And then chunk of head off. Also, let's give Eric Bana some props, though, because he 180 no-scopes this (laughs) noob video game reference. Yeah, (laughs) no respawns in hardcore, bro. The guy was camping, too. (laughs) (laughs) Deserved it. But um, they just have to make a run for it. They ditch all their gear. And this was one of the most awkward cuts of the movie, in my opinion, because it's literally the two, Eric Bana and Daniel Craig, running away. And then it just cuts to him getting off a plane in Israel. Israel, yeah. Like, he just goes back home. It's like, well, 
all right. <laughs> I <laughs> guess that's cool. Um, and then they do kind of the reluctant hero thing. And this this goes on, because at this point, I think we're at the two-hour mark. And this movie's about two hours and like 35 and some change, maybe not including credits. Um for the rest of this movie, or at least the next 20, 25 minutes, is just him talking to people about how he doesn't want to do this anymore. And it, it kind of just drags on. Yeah, this is the part I did not really enjoy. I know they were trying to show that how it affected him and how his life would never be the same. Um, right. And like, like when he meets the two soldiers at the airport that know what he did. And one was like, super pale, by the way. He looked like creepy ghost guy. <laughs> <laughs> creepy ghost guy <laughs> the like the reluctant handshakes and he's like i'm not a hero kind of vibe he gives and then they keep threatening him at, while they're talking to like jeffrey rush and some of the other people about like if you don't give up louis and papa <laughs> <laughs> louis and the papa peyton uh, manning and, and <laughs> peyton papa, manning and papa, papa john's, john's. Uh, that they're going to like court-martial them all this stuff, and it's the, well, I don't work for you technically. I don't exist, <laughs> is the line Eric Bana gives. And really, it just like all that does is, I guess, set up for why he doesn't go back to Israel in terms of like moves back there. Because earlier in the movie, he had moved his wife and child to Brooklyn. 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 Represent. Um, which did seem like a random... Like, specific borough. It wasn't yeah. like, move to New York. Yeah, right. It was like, no, no, no. You moved to Brooklyn. <laughs> not Queens. Not the Upper East Side. Brooklyn. <laughs> Maybe they had a Jewish community in Brooklyn that I'm Maybe. not aware of. Maybe. Maybe during this time there was, like, a... <laughs> I was trying to think of a version of, like, Chinatown. Israel town. <laughs> <laughs> oh little, little Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, little Jerusalem. I don't. I don't know. Uh, Yikes! <laughs> John's like, careful, <laughs> careful. <laughs> I have to didn't. edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're already on a list. I called the CIA gay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. John's just our token Jew. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> oh, I don't have a rebuttal for that. <laughs> <laughs> the. But yeah, so he goes to New York, and then we just get more paranoid Eric Bana, which. I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense because I think that's one of the most realistic parts of the movie is like when he's walking his baby around and he sees the car with the two guys in it. I <laughs> yeah, feel like the music it, is like boom, boom. Yeah, it's like super intense music. <laughs> Honestly, if I was in Eric Bana's shoes, I would be super paranoid about that too. Like, yeah, because uh, Louis and Papa had shown a picture of, of him. That, that somebody else had given to them to like locate. So that m- does mean that people are hunting for him technically. Uh, but we do get reassurance from the Papa. Kind of. Well, he says that nothing... It doesn't say Louis won't, but he says he will never directly, like, harm him. And then he says his name. Oh, yeah, which... That was actually a really... Like, took me a second to get what was happening. Was... Because Eric Bana just freezes and won't respond, and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> Eric Bana's... Losing his mind. But then he, when he says, he's like, you know my name. I was like, oh my gosh, that's right. Papa John's not supposed to know his name. <laughs> and he's like, of course I do. And I think that's supposed to imply that Papa's known the whole time he's Mossad, right? Maybe. That's what I kind of took it as. Which is strange because they're anti-government. So yeah. he just had a soft spot for him. 
Yeah. To bring it home, though, the paranoia kind of it doesn't necessarily go away, but it's it's kind of diverted, and it's him talking, or he goes to the Israeli consulate and basically like tells off a Mossad agent. Because I don't well, get why he thinks the Mossad or Mossad will try to kill him and his family. Because they would clean up their mess. Oh, you think it's like a clean in-house cleaning job? Yeah. But uh, Jeffrey Rush comes to the scene to uh, assure him and that to get that's him not to come back. Well, to try to get him to come back, but also to assure him that they're not going to do that. And um, then we get like a weird thing of he's like, I read it in some book that I, as a the Jew Bible. I'm supposed. I know that he's <laughs> referencing the Bible, Peter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, the Torah. The Torah that um, you know, you're supposed to break bread with me, and it's like we, which it took me a second, but that whole scene because it's he asks, "Will you come to my dinner? Break bread with me?" And Jeffrey Rush just says no and walks away. I realize is mirroring when Eric Bana was leaving Israel. It was the same conversation of please just come back and work for us. And Eric Bana just says no and walks away. So oh, I didn't catch a little that. bit of give and take. Wait, yeah. bit of give and the and movie take. even starts out with bread being cut by the Olympic athletes. Oh, it's, we've come full circle. Full it's like circle. Donnie Darko. We're just stuck in a, a loop. Uh, S Darko yeah. is better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we skipped over the awkward sex scene. Should we talk about this awkward sex scene? Just that it was awkward and well, weird. And well, because like we were saying, where there's different angry. points where Eric Bana is having nightmares that are used to show what happened during the Munich massacre of them, you know, like getting them on the bus, getting them on the helicopters, then the airport shootout and whatnot. But that last part really only happens while Eric Bana is just getting all up on his wife. Which is like weird because it starts out like his wife's kind of like trying to like console him, and then it randomly just turns to sex, and then Eric Bana's having like PTSD orgasms or something. Like I don't know what's Very going on. Angry, because she's like when it shows his face. First off, he looks like he's been like sprayed with a fire hose. He's just drenched, and then she's not. And kind of looking concerned while this is happening. I feel like they could have just cut to the footage after. He like got in bed with her or whatever, and not no, have to I show like. The, I think they could have just throughout. not had them have sex, and it could have just been him maybe like breaking down, like when she's trying to console him, and then just show those scenes. You know what I mean? There were other ways. There to were other ways. <laughs> it was just a it. really awkward. But see, sex we have scene. two climaxes at the same time. <laughs> the, cl- the climax. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible, Peter. It's not false. It's not. But it's bad. <laughs> I, I think this is the falling action, actually. Well, because this, like... That's a weird place to fall <laughs> with, like, two minutes left in the movie. <laughs> the conclusion, I well, guess. Well, because the whole time they're saying, you know, like, oh, the Palestinians killed the Olympians, which technically they did. Why did they kill the Olympians, why, the Israeli Olympians on... The air, at the airport, and it was because the Israeli government lied oh, to, and tricked him to the, get him to the Palestinians. Yeah, to like put him on a plane and then blow the plane up. And so when they realized that, then the Israelis opened fire on them, and then they were shooting the... Yeah, Olympics. then they shot the hostages, so which it's is like, crazy. Yes, the Palestinians are at blame. Had they never done that, this would not have happened. But... I still would argue that Eric Bana is not having those flashbacks as much as what he's feeling or what we're feeling while watching the the Munich events going by because 
at least as I was watching it, I was like, oh my gosh, like everyone sucks in this conflict. And it's like, this is all for nothing. And it's, yeah, it's an everyone's wrong slash everyone's right conversation. Yeah. Which and is, which is the point of, like, I think Eric the Bana's message. life is ruined for, for what, what purpose. There wasn't one because whoever they killed and when he's going down the list of the people with Jeffrey Rush, he's like, give me proof that these oh, people yeah, were involved in Munich. And he's like, no, because two of them he lifts off had nothing to do with Munich. And and Eric or I mean Jeffrey Rush points out that t- they weren't the only team doing things. Yeah, which is if that's to help him out. Yeah, which is like kind of a big reveal that there were other like that had their own list, and so that's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, but so yeah. they're being manipulated by their government. And so like I, I I could see what you're saying though about that flashbacks stuff and everything, but it's still just like how it was edited with the awkward sex because it's just like it seemed unnecessary um but yeah the last shot of the movie though is that conversation with uh jeffrey rush and um eric banna and they basically are parting ways and eric banna is gonna now live his life as a brooklynite go go dodgers nope they're gone by then go nets go nets well they're not there yet Ah, does brooklyn support the yankees i feel like they do let's Um, just say go yankees because I feel like Mets is more like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's not important right now. Munich. Okay, John? Gosh. I, d- <laughs> I wrote this down as a joke, but I almost don't even want to bring it up. So they got nine out of the 11 terrorists. Six. Well, they're, no, no, eventually. Like when oh. we get the fade out like text yeah, yeah, yeah. On, that, on the New York skyline. They say eventually nine of the 11 on the list were killed while we're looking at the Twin Towers. Oh, come on. You think Spielberg's trying to tell us something? I think Spielberg was in on it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) He did make Americans look bad in this movie. Yeah. Well, we looked looked complicit. Because there's a point where Eric Bana asks if the CIA knew that Munich was going to happen. And I've feel like that would be really crazy if they did. Well, Louis said they didn't even know Black September existed. Existed until Munich. So I think he's just like, they're dumb. They're just dummies. CIA. gay. <laughs> CI gay. And the FB... Bi. And the no, F FB behind. Oh, I said FB by. Yeah. FBY. Mm, eh. I like F behind. Yeah, of course you did. You came up with it. Yeah, but it's like they're behind on the game explain yours <laughs> because we said the cia was gay so the fbi is a little bit more by curious oh i was thinking like waving no because i was <laughs> oh. we were following up the cia uh, gay i know which i was oh, confused man. okay yeah fbi is a lot a <laughs> lot better well that um, was munich <laughs> <laughs> what um, other government agency can we come up with cool no hold on for? let's no we need let's go on to <laughs> reviews here we need to land this plane <laughs> oh. peter do you want to go first about any reviews funny reviews you found because i found some weird <laughs> weird ones <laughs> i just found people going like sort of gideon is better yeah uh, a lot of people were just praising the shit out of sort of gideon yeah I don't know, because there are also there's a lot of Jewish politics in this movie that I didn't quite understand. Yeah, there's a lot of so like I don't know if maybe some people likes I don't know how Spielberg is viewed in the Jewish community. So I don't know if like Sword of Gideon was made by a Sabra, you know, like that's I think a person that is born in Israel. I think is the name the term for that. 
um, or what, but some of the comments on the video were kind of like hating on that. Well, we didn't really talk about that, but there is random moments where there, there's some, you know, not being a part of the Jewish community or none of us are Israeli. Yeah. They, they throw around some terms in their conversations that I had to try to just assume what they were talking about. Like, I think at one point Jeffrey Rush was calling Eric Bana and his wife exiles, but in Israeli, you know what I mean? Like, the, he was throwing out a term, and I'm assuming he was just saying they were exiles, but I couldn't quite track it. There was a lot of things like that where they'd be speaking just like normal English or whatever, and they'd drop a word or two, and... Um, I couldn't quite track what that was supposed to mean, but I got the general idea. It was still kind of one of those like inside baseball moments where I was like, uh, I feel like if I was Jewish, this would make more sense. Um, I found, like most of the reviews I found that were positive were basically just the the general, you know, this was a great movie, uh, action-packed, which I kind of disagree with. It's not really action-packed, but they talk about how like it's tense and Spielberg does it again kind of thing. But the... <laughs> This is this is a long one, so I'm gonna only read one because this is a longer one that I found called. This is by Jay Adams. It's called "Pure Leftist Relativist Revisionist Claptrap." Strong title. Wow. Whoa. Strong title. I'm intrigued. I seldom watch movies since they are generally full of Hollywood nonsense, but this movie was the feature at a friend's home theater after dinner. Why would you why would this be an after dinner movie? That seems weird first off, but so I decided to watch it. I don't know why I stayed all the way through, but those closing scenes with the World Trade Center superimposed in the background was the final straw for me. It's the last second of the movie. I don't know what the dude's freaking out about. <laughs> the acting was not nearly as bad as the hectoring and lecture, lecturing about the evils of revenge. There is no historical record that the people involved in tracking down the murders of the Israeli athletes in Munich 1972 had any second thoughts. This is especially true of Golda Meir, who was the European gover- who saw that the European governments were going to accommodate the latest band of fascists known as Palestinian freedom fighters, but who were nothing but a band of murderers. I'm sure her ghost will haunt Spielberg for this outrageous deceit. Spielberg reminds me of his rel- of his relatives who encouraged their young children to get on the trains to the concentration camps since they couldn't believe those nice Gestapo men would do anything bad. People Whoa. like this exist. I'm not Whoa. done yet. <laughs> I suppose when the Iranians deliver their nukes over Tel Aviv and wipe Israel off the earth, he'll make another movie about how they were victims of American aggression or some such leftist nonsense this movie is a fiction based upon historical events but subverted by spielberg's instincts to let the bad guys to continue or continue to kill until they've done it done him in too maybe he can donate some of his billions to the next annex in the holocaust museum when israel disappears oh my god wow i don't think he liked the movie (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if he told his friends at the dinner party this. I hope he did that exact rant, and they were like, "Damn it! Why do you keep inviting yeah, this guy? What? He's my sister's cousin." I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> from Palestine. <laughs> like that's a crazy review, <laughs> and no, I don't agree with anything he said. Yeah, that's Spielberg the- does not have billions. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Get your facts right. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, Immediately take a finance class. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like we've been talking about how the movie didn't make the, you know, Palestinian terrorists look like they were victims or made them look like they were I mean I don't even know how to put it. Like it just made it more it took the approach of violence begets violence. Yeah, it made and Israel it sh- look bad too. Yeah, it made everybody look it bad. It showed it that just, there are people and it yeah. and it made Eric Banna Ben Banna. Banna is it's like his banana, character, but it's just Banna. Like kinda torn on whether or not to kill I don't know. I I feel like it was more about developing his character and showing that they're people. Yeah. That's that's the vibe I got. Uh, but I think all three of us would recommend this, right? Yeah, I think it's worth your free time. Yeah, yeah. it's long, so plan ahead. It's good. Uh, but I think it's very enjoyable. I wouldn't say it's like a... Some of the good reviews were like, I watch this all the time. I'm like, oh uh, my yeah. gosh, what? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. heavy. <laughs> Between this and Schindler's List. It's like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't get enough. <laughs> Just pop oh, it in. Just pop it in. Uh, yeah, he watches Schindler List to get like real angry, and then he watches Munich to be like, "Yeah, don't." To quote Daniel Craig, "Don't fuck with the Jews." <laughs> I also love the soundtrack. Soundtrack was very good. John Williams, USOB. Yeah, gotta love him. What a so and so. Yeah, well, uh, I think that's a good place to stop, and we'll just wrap it up. I know next week is my pick, and uh, we'll be watching Mine Hunters, not the Netflix mo- show. <laughs> Just to like forewarn yeah. so people aren't excited about like, oh, they're going to talk about that show. They have too no. much oral sex in that show. <laughs> There's a lot of oral sex. We don't want you people to be excited. <laughs> 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 no, I'm talking about um, an early 2000s horror movie with Christian Slater, LL Cool J. That's right. LL Cool J. Val Kilmer, and I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but she was the main <laughs> character in Cold Case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a... Cr- <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Well, remember to follow us on, on Twitter at TMFT Podcast or write us an email at gmail at tmftpodcast at gmail.com where we rate and subscribe. Uh, that was Munich, and uh, I'm Mark three, Burris. Episode one. <laughs> I'm Mark Burris with me as always, Peter Blankenship, yep. and John Girdler. And if you can include in your email on the subject line who you are addressing in your email, <laughs> whether it be Peter, Mark, or John, that would That's be great. That's true. And write been, in your favorite government agency with a weird twist on their name. Yeah, <laughs> It's been really hard to tell who you're talking about when you're like, the one time that one dude said... We all have names. <laughs> yeah, we want to know how we're doing, and we want to interact with you guys. Yeah, and when the episode sucked, say why, so, and like, can't be me. <laughs> all right, <laughs> <laughs> let's land this plane. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>